episode of Let Me Explain You a Thing. My name is Andrew, and this is the podcast where I talk extemporaneously on a subject I know a decent amount about, usually on my drive to work, although today I'm driving home. And uh, as always, apologies for road noise. It happens. I'm sorry. This is when I record. But today I thought I would return to Magic the Gathering, but not just to spin content out of uh, any of the many releases that we are constantly, uh, I don't say it's subjected to, that doesn't seem right. Um, some people think, I guess, but uh, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to get on that hamster wheel today. Uh, what I do want to talk about, though, is some fairly big news that does impact me. Um, <laughs> I, I guess it's not wrong to say it impacts me professionally, um, but what, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the announcement that Judge Academy, the certifying body for magic judges, is as of seven days from this announcement going kaput. Um, wow, kind of, kind of big news, kind of a splash of cold water. Is it bad news? I don't know. I I saw somebody on the Magic subreddit describe this as simultaneously huge news and a nothing burger, paraphrasing. Um, and I think that's pretty accurate. So, like, Judge Academy, just to, to take a step back a little bit. So what is, what is this program? What is judging? How does it inter- interact with magic? So judges um, are... So, so magic, I guess to... Let's start even, even earlier. Magic for many years, almost since its inception, has had a competitive scene. Um, there are people out there who play magic at any level from, um, you know, like terrorizing their, their local game store, uh, for Friday night drafts or standard tournaments. Standard used to be really popular and like the number one way to play, uh, competitively, the number one format altogether that is no longer really the case. They're actually taking some sort of extreme measures to uh, give Standard a shot in the arm, including uh, expanding Standard from two years to three years. So it only rotates, it rotates every year, but uh, in the fall, but it includes the past three years of sets rather than the past two years. The idea being that 
people's decks are standard decks are still relevant for a little bit longer before uh, rotation invalidates you know half the contents of the deck um, I've recorded in the past on uh, problems faced by the standard format uh, you can find my episode called why standard bad for more information on that um, the primary so we we have other formats to drive interest in in tournament play um, and attendance at these events we've got modern which is every uh, every set is legal printed from uh, like 2003 onward it used to be like in the modern card frame was kind of the uh, um, you know the example people would give as, as shorthand for is this legal or is it not legal that doesn't cover 100% of cases and ever since they started printing more like commander sets those have gone to uh, straight into legality and like uh, legacy and vintage as well as commander but usually skips modern they've started printing some sets that start in modern and everything older um, so basically everything except standard uh, the Lord of the Rings uh, expansion um, that was you know modern legal um, as well as modern horizons both one and two and the upcoming modern horizons three those contain original cards uh, that were introduced directly into modern and older formats um, we've also now got Pioneer, which is kind of like modern, but younger. It's, uh, 2012 and onward. Um, so a, a giant leap ahead of 10 years, but that's still like the past 10 years of magic sets now. Uh, wild. Time passes, folks. <laughs> you heard it here. Um... Anyway, I don't want to get bogged down talking about how, like, what formats you can play competitive Magic in, because really I want to talk about scale. You got um, anything from, like, uh, small store tournaments, pre-releases, drafts, Friday Night Magic events, where um, occasionally they come up with, like, promos to support, you know, either as uh, uh, door prizes or for given for attendance or for top eight or you know for winners different promos are available that way they did some for lord of the rings there were like uh i think for the store champs series and lord of the rings had uh you know like a an alternate art foil saruman of many colors um that you know they like people are selling for like like a cool hundred dollars like that's way more than Saruman of many colors normally goes for I'm, j I'm just making up a number right but I, it is like I think triple digits it's it's big time um so that's like you know and that'll that'll come come to uh come into greater relevance later in this conversation conversation um because uh wizards has real like they absolutely know they pretend 
you know, not to know or to ignore it. Like, it's impolite to talk about. But I think for legal reasons um, and for, like, whole economies of the game reasons, they can't talk about card values. They're aware of it, of course. How could you not be? Um, But, you know, one tool in their arsenal that they have returned to time and again is printing cards that are going to be artificially scarce um, just to encourage participation or attendance or, um, you know, whatever in any of their events or programs. And usually those are just like, you know, super cool alt arts or foil treatments or whatever. And those go from, you know, anything from like a, a... you know, prize support, like Wizards Play Network promos, um, up to like the one of one ring that, you know, of course was, was sold to, um, Post Malone for some speculate two and a half million dollars. Um, so, (laughs) you know, it, uh, It's a serious shit. Um, that's what, you know, the value of artificial scarcity, uh, brand new artwork on cards or, or treatments, um, stuff like that. That's, that's what you can get out of that as wizards. Um, but yeah, so... A lot of events, you know, if you if you were to go to a local game store and play, like, a draft Friday Night Magic, there's probably, like, a, you know, depends on the set it is, if it's a premium set or a, you know, standard premiere set. Um, it's probably, like, $15, $20. Uh, that covers your, your price of admission for three packs. And also, like you know, nobody would ever say this, but a little bit of an ante, like you, you put a little extra in up front, basically that would cover prizes. Um, and it's not really ante because it's not really gambling really. Like it is still determining, like you're determining winners based on skill generally. Like it still comes down to, you know, what cards do you draw in what order? And you know, what, uh, what cards do you open in your boosters and what cards do you get past and how does that enable you to build your deck and things like that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's still generally a, a skill-based format and a skill-based game. Um, but all of these events, and, you know, at the top end, there are invitational tournaments that, um, you have to, you know, get, I don't know exactly how this works, I'm not a part of that world, but you have to get, like, pro player points or something, you have to, like, get noticed, kind of, you have to be a personality in, uh, the professional circuit, and people, people make genuine money off of those tournaments, like, you know, at your store, 
your store FNM on a given Friday night where you're drafting, you're going to get more packs of the same more packs of the same uh, set, probably. And some stores, you know, let you uh, either sell those packs immediately for store credit, so there are people who, like, try to go infinite, like, if they do well enough, regularly enough, and play often enough, um, they can return their packs for store credit, use that store credit to pay for their next draft, and so on and so on. Um, and people would do that, you know, because they, like, maybe they, they end up profiting slightly in store credit or in packs, or maybe they end up, you know, like, keeping the cards they draft and enjoying those cards. Maybe they just play just for the sake of drafting and playing, and, like, this is a free way for them to do that, um, or a heavily discounted way for them to do that. Um, I also have known people to, like, keep prize packs that they win and say, okay, this, these three, um, you know, March of the Machine boosters are going to be my draft set for the next time, so I'm just going to bring these three boosters. They won't charge me as much for admission into the event. I'm just going to play with these, or, you know, in- introduce these into the draft, um, and I could still win, like, come out ahead in packs, um, or break even in packs, you know. Um, yeah, at the lower levels, the the tournament prize support tends to be packs or um, promos from Wizards of the Coast, possibly door prizes. Um, if there's any like sleeves or deck boxes or that kind of inventory that the the game store wants to offload, then they they could just kind of raffle it off and win some goodwill from players that way and, you know, encourage them to play again in the future because there are opportunities to win prizes with the cost of admission. Um, And then, of course, yeah, you get up to the high-level tournament circuit. Um, There are uh, tournaments sponsored by major card vendors like uh, Channel Fireball, um, I believe they're, they're a vendor, not just, anyway, like Channel Fireball, Star City Games, Pastimes here in the Midwest, um, Nerd Rage Gaming, um, there are a lot of large vendors and tournament organizers that are in the business of running tournaments for various games, but usually primarily Magic. So... How do you run... I guess I'll, I'll segue from here into judging. How do you run... Because I, I, I don't really have a lot to say about what kind of prizes that you get from those types of events. Like, yeah, usually, you know, there might be like $10,000 of cash prizes on the line, or there might be you know, like, some other kind of support. Um, for Wizards, like, the, the Pro Tour and the Invitational, um, like, there are prizes such as having the opportunity to work with magic designers and create your own magic card and then be immortalized in the art and have players play that card because it's a strong card because you made it and refer to you 
or refer to that card by your your name as its nickname. Um, thinking of Dark Confidant from 2005 with, uh, I don't know the guy's last name even, but he's Bob. It's Bob. Um, that's kind of an old man. That's like a boomer uh, magic reference, but oh well. Um, but yeah, so how do you how do you organize and run tournaments like that? How are they staffed? Usually it's by judges. We'll just get straight down to it. It's uh, you have magic judges who are people with a surpassing uh, you know fondness for the game. And the way that they choose to interact very at very high levels with the game is by making it part of their professional life, um, in in some sense. We'll get into like how what that means for a lot of judges, generally. But um, I should probably pick up the pace generally here. Um, but. You know, you you have to have people with a knowledge of the rules to mediate, you know, rules disputes, um, and that's that's just part of it. A large part of it is, as a judge, you're a community manager. Um, you are not just an adjudicator of an authority on the rules, and sometimes there are situations where, like, people usually don't troll and bring a deck to incite a rules dispute but you know especially in larger tournament uh, like card pulls like modern it's definitely possible I think Wizards is probably Wizards is pretty careful to you know like the, the mechanics that are going to be very confusing or have difficult interactions with other cards they use either sparingly or they don't make them at such a power level that they could interact in large environments like modern, where you're drawing on 20 years worth of magic cards to build your deck. Um, like they, they're just a little, they're careful with that kind of thing. Um, or they, they try to be, you know, things slip through the net, but, um, yeah, being a, a rules, an authority on the rules is just a part of it. And there are procedures for, you know, needing to an appeal, to appeal, you know, a, an incorrect ruling. Incorrect rulings do happen from time to time. Um, and that's just, you know, usually it's either not a big deal, wouldn't have affected a game, but sometimes it does. Sometimes it needs to be repeal, uh, appealed, not repealed. Um, different legalese. Um, usually, uh, at all levels of play, there, there is, uh, you know, an eye towards, uh, sportsmanlike conduct. Um, any unsporting behavior could be, you know, grounds for disqualification, either being, uh, verbally abusive or, um, physically. Like, I don't know if somebody would get into, like, if, if two players are getting into a fist fight, then they're both getting DQ'd and probably banned from the store or from the event or that turn, tournament organizer's future events. Um, if somebody just, like, you know, clocks another player, then that's... I don't know. <laughs> that's... 
and it's not like a, a it's you know not a site a fight that both sides are participating in then that's a different situation i think usually at the usc minor or major it happens when somebody like you know gets real salty about losing and like flips a table or like does something to damage another person's cards um to damage their their personal property like that um and when that kind of thing happens you know i haven't really seen it i've seen people get kind of salty and aggressive and like angle shoot yeah that happens you know often enough but um yeah i mean when it when it occurs you can uh, give someone a penalty or disqualify them for unsporting behavior. Um, another thing that comes up fairly often is like, sometimes people are, you know, unwilling to, for whatever reason, play out a match and they're like, Hey, look, either it's, it's a late round and we're, neither of us are going to top eight or going to win or whatever. Let's just flip a coin and, you know, or it's, you know, sometimes it's angle shooting. It's like somebody thinks they're going to lose in this matchup and they try to convince their opponent into taking a coin flip um, to determine the result. Um, Wizards really hates that because it looks like gambling. <laughs> it makes this game that's like already kind of on the edge of gambling uh, look a lot more like gambling. So they don't do that. Uh, that's, you know, you can get disqualified uh, from an event if you, uh, suggest that or agree to it. Um, we always put that in our pre-event, you know, like, especially at pre-releases where people might not know better. A lot of new people come to pre-releases or people who don't, most of their magic playing life is not in a tournament setting, um, is in a, you know, it's usually like at someone's home or with friends or in a much more casual environment. Um, and yeah, like, sometimes that bears reminding. Like, people don't always know. It's like plagiarism. Like, sometimes people need a reminder that paraphrasing is also pa plagiarism. Um, and it's the kind of thing where you could do kind of, like, unthinkingly. And, you know, unless you have this really drilled into you, it's the kind of thing you could do without thinking about it and really regret it later because there are serious consequences. Um so, yeah, using anything other than a game of magic to result, uh, to, you know, determine the result of a match, that's not, that's prohibited by, by the rules. Um, and there's other things like just, you know, entering players into the system and make sure pairings are, are working correctly in the software. Um, the software has been updated since I first started judging in 2019, but uh, it still has its quirks. Um, this one relies a lot more on people having a smartphone app, which, like, I hate asking people to download another fucking app, but, you know, that's, it does work a little bit more smoothly, um, this way. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, you, you are in charge of, uh, making sure that, like, seating is correct and pairings are working out, and, um, you're a community manager, you're a customer service representative for the game, 
Um, you might notice that, especially at the lower tiers, a lot of this re revolves around uh, local game stores, so it's not, should, be, should come as no surprise that a lot of uh, uh, judges are store, uh, game store employees. That's either their, their full-time or part-time uh, occupation, and, um, you know, they their job is to know games and, you know, they know how to play magic and know how to resolve issues. Um, the store that I judge at the most is... They do have staff that are very knowledgeable and uh, help with running events to an extent. But they also are a very busy game store, and the staff is primarily there to um, staff, you know, the counter and make sales and, and so forth. Um, and so, you know, judging a, a tournament, even like a, a big pre-release Saturday, like is not the highest priority or the only priority. So that's why they bring in third-party judges. And a lot of, a lot of third-party judges are people who have a full-time, you know, some other, some other like day job, you know, and they do judging, uh, out of, out of passion for the game. Um, and, you know, we always say, like, do not work for free. Like, you have to be compensated in, in some way. Um, you know, sometimes people are cool with taking compensation in store credit or product, um, or partially in product, as I, you know, have been. Uh, but usually it's, you know, you got to get paid for those hours in, in cold, hard cash. And, you know, if you're not an official employee of the store, haven't given them a, uh, is that W2? Um, you haven't, you know, given them that, that tax form and they are, you know, claiming you as an employee on a part-time or contract basis, like, they might just do it under the table. Um, but yeah, a lot of, this is, this characterizes judging at small, judging small events at, you know, local game stores. Um, another big distinction in judging is, uh, rules enforcement level. Um, So, basically, you've got regular and competitive. And regular is Friday Night Magic, pre-releases, events that might draw more casual or more dabbling crowd. Uh, and the priority here is everyone should... It should be a, a fun and smoothly run event. Everybody should have a good time. This is a customer service um, opportunity beyond you know, like, it's important that, you know, you can roll some things back or, like, not turn a blind eye to, to some things, but, like, you have a little bit more flexibility in how you deal with problems that might arise. And a lot of problems in judging, it's not, again, it's not just rules. It's, like, what do you do if I accidentally, I went to draw my card, I accidentally drew two off the top of my deck, and I saw both of them, um, and now they're in my hand, you know, and... Uh, 
they can't be distinguished from any of the other cards in my hand. Because, like, yeah, somebody could do that uh, in a cheating way, like, make it look like an accident and then put a card, you know, like, turn that, that accidental extra draw into a mini brainstorm or something. Um, Brainstorm's a pretty powerful card. It's draw three, put two from your hand back on top of the library in any order. Um, so, you know, there's incidents like that that require, you know, somebody with a knowledge not just of the rules, but of uh, judge procedure. Um, there's a document they call the JAR, which is judging at regular. Um, that is, you know, that's got all the rules for incidents like that, as well as, like, how do you judge two-headed giant? What is two-headed giant? It's not a competitive format, I'll tell you. Um, but some pre-releases are run in two-headed giant and some other events as well, all casual. And those are, you know, regular. Like, there's still rules, there's still prizes on the line, it's a little, it's a step above, like, playing at your house with friends for, with nothing on the line, but, you know, it's, uh, it's still, there's still some heft to it, still something riding on it, on these events. Then you got, uh, competitive events, that's the, the second, um, yeah, comp REL, it's sometimes referred to as, um, and that's, you know, you got to be really serious, really careful about a lot of, uh, movements or a lot of, uh, you know, like things that could be, as I learned in, in library school, um, you have to avoid even the appearance of impropriety. Um, even if you're in the right and nothing shady is going on, you got to look, you got to, you got to keep your play pretty tight. That's why people who are, uh, old hands at, uh, comp REL events, they do stuff like, like flicking and shuffling their cards in their hand. Um, I mean, I guess that's not rules adherence as much as like, you know, optimizing, you know, you don't want your, your opponent to know which cards are in your hand that you drew when, and, you know, stuff like that. That's why people take notes. Anyway, um, yeah, so, so, comp REL, um, not really interested. Uh, so judging, there's, historically, for the, much of the lifespan of the Magic Judge program, um, there were five levels, uh, Sheldon Mennery, <laughs> Sheldon Mennery, Sheldon Memory. Memory, <laughs> ooh, <laughs> Sheldon Memory, Sheldon Memory of uh, glorified memory. Um, uh, I don't want to say of slight memory. <laughs> um, Sheldon Memory was notably a level five judge. Level fives were like kind of at the top of the game. They judged the, the largest, most important events, um, often at a, a head judge level. You got like head judges and floor judges typically are the, the, the two, you know, distinctions. And like a head judge is going to manage, maybe work with the, the tournament organizer, the TO, maybe be the TO in, in person. 
and uh, kind of be the ultimate authority on rulings and mostly work with the, the workflows of managing an event and keeping it running on time and running smoothly. Uh, floor judges are usually the people that when there's a disagreement in a game, you put your hand up, you call judge, they're the people that come over. Um, in a small tournament setting, yeah, you, you might have a head judge and, and floor judges, but the head judge is probably also going to be floor judging, and the, the floor judges are probably also going to be doing uh, registration. So the distinction is more meaningful the higher level of the event. Um, but yeah, the, the old judge program, you had judges, judge levels one through five, as well as rules advisor, which was kind of like judge in training. That was like level zero, sort of. Um, they did away with that program around when I was starting judging, actually, and that was in 2019. End of 2019, they did away with it because there was either either there was a lawsuit or there was a threat of a class action lawsuit by judges against Wizards of the Coast um, over the fact that they were, you know, doing work for Wizards, enabling some very high dollar sum events to go off without a hitch and were not really compensated. Um... This is where I'll get back to promos. Uh, Wizards has always sent judges for decades at this point. I don't know if, how long it's been exactly, but uh, Wizards has always sent promos of very powerful cards um, and desirable cards to judges in you know foil with alternate art and all the bells and whistles. And usually those were you know the the kind of compensation Wizards was able to provide. It's not cash, but it's like expensive cards it's you know in some ways not as good as cash because like you want to turn it into cash you got to fence it to somebody right to a vendor who are going to pay you less than the the actual dollar value of it or sell it directly and you know deal with that deal with selling a, a piece of paper on on ebay have fun um or uh you know, you you don't bother with any of that. You just keep it, and you bling out your deck with it. And that's what a lot of people do. Um, so in that sense, they're not really buying the card. They're just, like, kind of being rewarded with the card for free labor, which is, you know, it's, uh, it's not ideal. <laughs> um, that's assuming you're not paid in any other sense. Like, but that's kind of why the program, as it was, collapsed, because... There was this like growing awareness that you know wizards, if it's a if it's the magic judge program, organized under and chartered under Wizards of the Coast organized play arm, then they should probably be you know treating judges like employees, um, providing them with benefits, uh, stable you know guarantee of wages, wages at all, things like that. So. So what they ended up doing was uh, changing to, uh, or putting the the onus on this organization, this LLC that was set up called Judge Academy, um, that gathered all these materials for training judges, 
um, and also was kind of the hub for making connections with other judges and um, making connections with other judges and then also um, uh, applying for events and conferences and things like that. And uh, Judge Academy was also like working with wizards to secure foil uh, promos that they could give out as you know, compensation for judges. Um, so, you know, if you, if you, uh, have done your math correctly, you notice that this was set up towards the end of 2019 by spring of 2020, we're in full lockdown all over the planet. Um, Wizards of the Coast, uh, uh, prohibits any sanctioned tournament events from occurring. Um, I guess stuff, could and did still happen under the table, but Wizards was not was not taking any role in that, um, and was not, you know, uh, permitting judges to take part in that either. So the the program Judge Academy kind of shifted towards uh, just being like a learning you know, yeah, Academy, like, just being a judge training platform, um, in addition to the rules modules that they had on the website, um, compiled by a lot of very talented judges, uh, I mean, that's, to give the judges credit, not really Judge Academy, Judge Academy was kind of a goofy organization, you had to pay dues, that was, that was another thing, I think if it was your, your first year, or you were new, you'd got a discount, but otherwise, it was like a hundred bucks a year just to remain to to recertify, basically. Once you had gained your certification, and I think it was maybe cheaper or maybe more. I I don't know. At different levels, Judge Academy did also collapse some of the some of the levels. They they made it into one, two, and three. So threes are kind of like what fives used to be. One is sort of like the one and two range, and then like two was kind of like two through four. It was a bit too big. Um, and a two was, it just wasn't enough gradation in the types of experiences and, um, you know, involvement judges wanted to have is, is a criticism I saw a lot. Um, I, for one, you know, and you, to become a judge, you have to have the backing of a store, either because you're an employee there or to gain a, a mentor, a judge mentor who is level two or above. Um, and, you know, not to say there's like gatekeeping going on, but they take the, the organization, they take judging seriously and they don't want, um, you know, just any old person to become a judge to certify um, because, you know, judges care about events running well and about, you know, skilled people handling this, uh, you know, these events. Um, so I went about it in kind of an unconventional way because I didn't work at a store. I had no, like, judging experience. I made contact with, uh, or I, I found out there was, like, a conference going on in my city, um, 
four judges. I went to that. Through that, I made contact with a level two who uh, mentored me in those those early year years, <laughs> early uh, weeks, I guess, and got me connected with a local game store manager who, uh, you know, put me on the roster for uh, some pre-releases, and you know, the rest was history. Um, but yeah, I, um, it's kind of like, like knights in, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, like only a knight can make a knight. You have to have like a, a higher level judge. When I first started, actually, um, at that conference, there was a guy who was a rules either a rules advisor or a, like quote unquote L zero, um, who was there, took his tests, and was certified as a judge at that you know at the end of that conference, um, which was kind of neat. He's now an L two, I believe. I, I am on conferences with him sometimes. Um, but yeah, nice guy. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, you know, kind of a funny thing that no longer happened, uh, after that, because you like now you have to go through hours of, uh, of classes on judge Academy, or you can kind of skip the videos if you can pass the test but there's like tests at the end of each chapter you gotta pass those and then to certify you have to pay a fee um and it's kind of nonsense that you'd have to pay a fee to become a judge um everybody sort of knows that you're sort of buying some foils up front that way or buying an opportunity to work as a judge which is silly um and now that is no more, <laughs> because as of October 7th, 2023, um, no, that was when the announcement came out. That's right. Uh, as of October 14th, 2023, um, judging is no longer, certification is no longer being managed by Judge Academy. Um, Judge Academy will still technically exist as the zombie of an organization. People are going to stop paying dues. Supposedly, they're in talks with other games to try to to act as their, you know, certifying bodies um, and judge, you know, platforms for other games. But I don't really see other games taking on Magic the Gathering's cast-off um, organization. Um, but, you know, it worked for a time, I guess, as a way for Wizards to kind of launder their, you know, now judges aren't contract employees. They're, they're not even employees. They're not, like, they work not through Wizards of the Coast, but through Judge Academy, entire, like, separate LLC completely. Um, but now I think we're moving into a Wild West period because not only is there no successor organization, um, there's no plans to create one. <laughs> So, and I've already seen uh, some some folks in the community, because the judge community is fairly small. A lot of connections rely on word of mouth and people knowing one another. Um, like, 
to a mind-boggling degree that I didn't think would could really happen in you know the the 2020s um but yeah there's you know like facebook groups and discords and a lot of people know one another face to face have worked one with one events with one another um you know especially like if you're in a city uh there's probably you know some larger events that go on in your area as well as lots of local game stores each running their own events so if your ambition as a judge is to you know judge on the side as a side hustle type thing like work different shops um maybe different types of levels of events then you know, word of mouth is really important. I guess if you're a store employee and you're you're pretty much like they don't have a choice really whether or not to continue to use you as a judge. You're just an employee there, therefore you judge. And maybe it's not as important, but you probably are still developing some kind of reputation. <clears throat> so now, um, yeah, I guess where do, where do we go from here? Um, magic. Yeah, has no plans for a, a new certifying body. It's unclear how judges will be made in the future. I think it's really just going to come down to, like, does the store that you're trying to work with know who you are or know someone who can vouch for you? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, I think, um, get my water going here. Glug, glug, glug. Okay, so, yeah, what does this mean? I think, like, you know, you immediately look at this and think, am I good? What's this mean for me? Um, before you kind of start looking into what does this mean for the community, what does this mean for, you know, the future of judging or for magic events? Um, you know, COVID hit events pretty hard. They're starting to come back. Eh, I won't say starting. Like, they're they're back. Of course, some things just didn't come back the same way or as fully as they did before COVID. Um, you know, not to be all conspiracy theorist about it, but a lot of people, like, yeah, it's not conspiracy th conspiracy theory, honestly. Like, a lot of people looked at things they were doing before COVID on a personal level, on a professional level, on an institutional level. They looked at things they were doing before and then they had to stop for like a period of months or maybe years. And now they're back to thinking like, can we do this again? Does it make sense to do it the same way? Do we have to do it the same way? Like there were some, you know, fruitful opportunities to, you know, reflect and uh, change course a little bit. And yeah, I mean, events are, events are back. Uh, you know, tournaments are going on at all levels. Um, for a while there, it looked like they were trying to, Wizards was trying to pull the plug on the Pro Tour. I'm sure it's massively expensive to do that. And like, what's the return? Because the pro, like being a pro player is not how people does not hook people the way it did when I first started. Like, when I was a kid, like a teenager playing, I, you know, 
played with my friends, played goofy tribal decks, and, and you know, upgraded pre-con theme decks with my friends, but I still nursed some, you know, absurd notion that I would could eventually, like, do this for money. Um, and of course, you're a kid, you're a teenager, you don't have to do things for money, you know, God willing. Um, you don't have to do things for money, so it's like, you don't know what it means to take something you love and turn it into a career, or, or you know, have to, like, pay your bills with it. That's, you know, like, as an adult now, and my, you know, I've gone through different phases of steadiness in my, in my work life. Um, you know, looking at it now, hell no would I want to play Magic professionally. Um, cause like you can't, you can't write books about it, you know, that publishers will pick up. You can't really turn it into a, any other kind of hustle. Like people write articles, but like, man, writing articles, that's not a, a brass ring of a career. I'm sorry to, uh, uh, article writers out there, but you know, that's fun. I wouldn't consider that. I wouldn't, you know try to make a career out of it. Um, and also with judging, there were people out there who were generally, genuinely, ugh, genuinely trying to like, like keep themselves afloat going from big tournament to big tournament. Um, and like, is it bad that Wizards is saying, no, we don't, we can't really support that any longer. We don't really want to support that any longer. Like, no, I think it's fine. <laughs> um, Wizards is not a, a huge jobs creator in the, the Magic the Gathering judge sector. There is no Magic the Gathering judge sector. Like, it's fine. We can all do this for a little extra pocket money on the side. Or if you work at a game store, that's your main thing, you know, and you judge Magic tournaments when, you know, seasonally appropriate. Um, You know, when you're when you're scheduled on a Friday night, anyway. Um, and yeah, playing playing as a pro, like you know, nowadays, a lot of people who make money playing Magic: The Gathering don't make it directly from playing Magic: The Gathering, but they stream on Twitch, um, or they're you know cosplayers, or you know they do something else. Like not like that's a huge cash cow, but like people who make money, you know adjacent to the game do not do so they have youtube channels you know people who make money who can you know afford to, to like do that full time and live a a decent lifestyle the lifestyle that they want like that's you know it's not made possible by by flitting from one you know 5k tournament to the next so, anyway. Um, yeah, I guess getting back to judges. Like, what does this all mean? Uh, unclear. Like, how will this affect judging? Unclear. Like, I think if you're trying to become a judge, that's the big question mark. If you're already a judge, this affects you not at all. Like, Wizards will probably come up with some successor program for dis distributing foils and promos and such to judges. Or maybe they'll just bulk up the, like, Wizards Play Network promo program that they already have 
where like if you judge an event you get like two copies of this promo whereas you know players who top eight get one or whatever you know or something like that fiddle with those numbers as you like but I feel like that's a lot less overhead for them and it's it's just a simpler like there's just no system it's all catch as catch can stores have to figure their own shit out which I'm sure I'm sure stores are like the least are the most you know hurt the most impacted by this I don't even think hurt because any store that's really worth its salt is probably gonna have um you know already gonna have people staff who can who can adequately judge magic but like yeah you might even have uh like store employees who were not certified judges in the first place um but you know they're they're equipped to judge so you know what's the difference really um I don't know. I've known people in, in different areas of my professional life, like being a librarian, um, some people who, you know, are, are very protective of, very protective of, um, their, you know, um, their certifications, um, that they had to you know, put in the hard work, go to school, you know, incur the expense of getting a master's. They don't want to see people, um, you know, or it feels to them like it's diminishing their, their work to see people hired as librarians who, um, do not have, uh, an MLIS or, um, an MLS. Um, You know, I think that's... I don't like that for the same reason I don't like uh, the way people get kind of hazy, hazing-y about student loans. Like, oh, I had to pay them off. Like, everybody else should, too. Like, no, it's it's for greater equity that we don't need to invest our own personal money and jump through these hoops for certifications. Like, if you can do the job, you can do the job. Let that be up to the people who hire you. Um, that's really more regarding the, the, you know, professional certification thing than student loans, but kind of, you know, it starts with a similar logic. I did it. They should have to, too. And ultimately, like, that that's really where I come down on it, on this, um, like, I'm going to probably continue working with the store I do. I'm going to not pay any more Judge Academy dues. Um, I'm going to continue working with the store that I do. Promo support is going to be question mark, but whatever. It always kind of was. Like, there were people who uh, are still waiting on foils from conferences they, they did over COVID um, that just never got sent to Judge Academy to then be sent to the tournament organizer to then be or uh, to the, the conference organizer to then be sent to uh, the judges. It was kind of a screwy system. And if you lived outside the U.S. and Canada, um, you were, you know, they, they did not, they were not really helpful. There were, there was a dearth of resources localized to your language. 
um, or your region, um, just all kinds of, you know, problems um, that don't have to exist if we don't have a, a certifying body. What we do have now, um, and this was set up like, I think very recently, I was looking on their Facebook page and they have, uh, they added their profile picture um, four days prior to this announcement. And that was, um, you know, that was very soon after. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know what other activity they've had online previously or how long they've really been around. Um, but Judge Forge, which now that I say it out loud sounds a lot worse than it looks on paper, but Judge Forge is, is it Judge Foundry? I don't know. Um, is, is this uh, new organization set up by uh, some people, including, you know, one uh, judge in my region that I, I have respect for. Um, who is, I believe, an L3 under the Judge Academy system. Um, yeah, I... We'll, we'll see how this goes. I am probably going to give them my email, see what might come out of this. They haven't come up with any kind of certification uh, standards yet, but it looks like their mission statement is appealing. Um has, you know, some good core values and, and direction at the heart of what they intend to do. So, we shall see. Um, that's all we can do at this point. Just wait and see. Um, and meantime, I'm probably going to keep up with uh, the events that I have been doing, and I'm sure almost everybody else is going to be doing the same. Uh, one interesting note on Judge Foundry or Forge or whatever they call it, um, they are reinstituting the uh, five levels of judge. And that's honestly kind of a draw for me to get involved um, because I did not really have the incentive to go to L2. I didn't really want to judge events larger than a pre-release or like a, a modern RCQ regional championship qualifier, you know, like not even a regional championship tournament it's just the qualifier for that tournament um those happen at stores um and they tend to be smaller maybe modern but that's kind of you know modern pioneer maybe standard um sometimes draft but that's kind of the extent of judging that i'm interested in um I could see, though, going to level two just to demonstrate that I am uh, a step above um, a step above in interest, above a, a level one or experience. Um, but I, I could also see sitting at level two at that point, depending on how they decide to, uh, est you know, establish these this new gradation, but everybody agreed one, two, three was too small. So I'm glad that they're bringing it back, bringing the five step back. Anyway, I am now at my destination. 
So I will be signing off here. I think I've said everything I wanted to about the pending changes to Judge Academy and the Magic Judge program writ large. I thank you very much for joining me. Uh, once again, the intro and outro theme has been uh, provided by the excellent uh, musician Scott Suter. You can find him uh, on SoundCloud and he also does comics on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, uh, username Copenhagen Cool Ranch. Uh, go check him out. And uh, yeah, that's it for right now. Take it easy, guys. Hope you have a great day. And if you're falling asleep, have a great night. Bye bye. <laughs>